Okay, welcome along to another episode of the How I Caught the Wrestling Bug podcast. I'm your host, David Lovell, and I'm delighted to say, joining me right now, is the Golden Booker, John the Rocker. John, how's it going? Hey David, how's it going, man? It's going really well. It's great to have you on. Um, Just to give people some sort of background before we get into the questions I give to everyone... It was around sort of 2005 that you got involved with Premier Wrestling, and you were the president of that company. Um, no, uh, 2013 we started the company. 2005 is when I started um, managing. Oh, know, okay, uh, right. Wrestling manager for All Pro Wrestling. Um, I started involved with All Pro Wrestling in 1997. Basically, just act well first going to shows, and about summer of '97. Um, is when I started volunteering, you know, just to get involved, you know, and volunteering, and we would, like, tape the, uh, the tapes for the customers that bought APW tapes, and we got paid, like, seven bucks a tape, and um, did that for about another six months, and then I just kept volunteering and being around the gym and soaking everything up and trying to learn about everything, and eventually... I did play by play and um, or, or actually color commentary in like 2003, and then end up kind of just went from being a straight color guy to being a little bit healed, and all of a sudden they like, hey, we want you to manage the tag team of the mafia, and, and I was off the running in 2005 as a manager, so that's how it all started, and then um, eventually started booking for APW in 2008, and 2012 is when I uh, stepped aside from booking. And then in 2013, when I started Premiere, when my buddy, you know, had this idea, and I wasn't really interested at first, because, you know, it's a lot of work to the run the promotion part of it, and but he was like, now nah, we can do it, and so I kept thinking about it more and more, and put our heads together, worked on the budget, etc., checked out the building we wanted to run, and just kind of put all the numbers together, and said, yeah, we can do it, and then he ended up getting a job at the UFC, <laughs> and so I was left by myself for a short time, but... My buddy uh, Daniel Martinez came in and uh, took over for my buddy Matt, and we end up uh, premiere for uh, till 2016. And I had my first little baby, Chloe, and I was, you know, we were doing all right, but not enough to where I want to put the stress on myself and my family, you know, the wife and the new baby. And right. so I, it was just best to kind of like take a break. And then I took a break for a short time. And then Marcus Mack, who was in our Facebook group, became the owner of Opera Wrestling and, you know, promoting and booking and all that. It's a lot of work. And so he really wanted me to help him kind of help book the cards and and everything. And so I came back for that for a while. Then when I had baby number three, Kaylee, in 2019, December 2019, those same thoughts again came. It's like, do I need to, you know, I mean, should I go up there and, you know, you know, the Daily City, which is like, you know, an hour away, 45 minutes away, depending on traffic and stuff like that, like, you know, during the time. So I kind of took a break from wrestling, uh, booking wrestling. But, you know, I'm still scratching my itch doing the podcasting on the Fight Game podcast. I love it with Garrett Gonzalez and have a great time and keeping busy now with high tension, you know, with on our Patreon. And and also I, I'm on in the Click podcast with baby Huey here. And uh, so, yeah, it's, I've been I've been having a lot of fun with the podcast and. Now I'm on your show, and I'm excited to be on the show, and I appreciate all your support for the Fight Game media and everything. So I'm excited to do your show, and I'm looking forward to this. Great. Uh, did you have a favorite 
thing that you did i mean did you enjoy the booking aspect or did you enjoy more the sort of doing the uh, your stint as a manager and, and the color commentary uh creative has always been my my love and passion so that was in the booking for sure i mean that was i mean booking first booking the first time around was really exciting just full of ideas and um seeing them executed and seeing them work and get people excited and turning the company around when it came to like you know, the fan base was the previous regime of booking was like very Vince Rusco esque, and a lot of things were just kind of crazy and frustrating. And I went around and made it to where you know finishes matter, wins matter, championship matches matter, and you know, so I really went, you know, I kept kept this, you know, K I S S, keep it simple, stupid is what my philosophy was, and that's what I did. And and I remember the first show I ever booked on my own. APW, the crowd was like super quiet, and I was like, "Holy cow, this is not working at all." And I got some feedback from some fans afterwards. I'm like, "Yeah, I was not getting over. You know, things weren't." And some of the smarter fans I was talking to there, and they were like, "We were just waiting for some run out or something, or some kind of funky finish." <laughs> I think people were shocked that each match had six matches that night, all ended with clean finishes right in the middle of the ring. And I'm like, "Well, yeah, I want to establish that." So. As you know, soon soon after you know, the crowd started, you know, now they finally like they had to look to the back before it finished. They could just watch the match and the pick a winner and loser and, and have fun. I never had the pleasure of actually meeting Ronan Alexander, but I was friends with him on Facebook, and I, I still mm-hmm. to th- still to this day am friends with him. And and every now and again, it will pop up saying it's his birthday, and I will post on his timeline saying "Happy birthday, Ronan, we miss you" kind of thing. Um, People obviously will know him from the Beyond the Mat documentary because he was he was featured on that, wasn't he? Uh, but yeah. what was your sort of relationship with Roland? Um, it was really great. I mean, when I first met him, I was really intimidated by him <laughs> back in 1997, and he was a little different back then, uh, a little hard, a little harder personality, and you know, strictly business. But he always treated me really well, and um, always liked me. And then when I started to um, just do commentary and then managing is really helpful with me as a manager and really protected me because he's old school guy like myself you know, I'm not as old school as him you know but like he was the philosophies are there our, we have the same philosophy when it comes to like doing stuff when it counts when it means something so the booking machine like I said the Vince Russo S group um, they were like they wanted to bump me as a manager like every show and I had no problem bumping. It's just I wanted to bump when it meant something, right? If I bump every show, who's gonna? It's not gonna matter if John LaRocca or Johnny LaRocca, as I call myself, then um, got his ass kicked on this show because he already got his ass kicked last show. So Roland really put a stop to that, like right away. He's like, no, we're when John's bumping, it's gonna mean at the end of a feud or it's gonna be for a very long time because he remembered, you know, Ken Ramey with the with the medics and stuff and he was like you know you just you don't bump the manager to these a territory in this case you're not gonna go anywhere so we're you know we'll bump them when it when it's when it's the end of a big feud or something so i was always really well protected so um and that's you know i always took that lesson i never bumped the manager unless it really meant something when i started booking as well when you were doing the managing did you sort of um have anybody in mind? Were you inspired by any particular managers you've seen in the past? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um. Well, Jim Cornette's my favorite manager right. of all time, so I took a lot from him. 
and Bobby Heenan, of course. Uh, those are the main two. But I watched like everyone. Uh, I watched the good and the bad. I watched. I watched ones that weren't that great to learn what not to do. And also, you know, I mean, I love Sherry Martell. I loved J.J. Uh, Dillon. So I kind of just kind of took everything together and just kind of tried to make it my own. My philosophy was like, you know what? You know what? When I played Little League and baseball and stuff, um, <laughs> what used to just cr- drive me nuts was like that parent in stands that puts so much pressure on their little kid. All right, yeah. Like they're the ones that are actually playing the game instead of the little kid. So I had that mentality as a manager. Like I was moving around like my wrestlers were moving around. You know, if they had a move, I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm cheering them. I'm like, yeah, I did it. But it's my guy did. It. You know what I mean? So I really wanted that to get. You know, I was really active as a manager at ringside, not to be distracting, not to, you know, not distract from what my guys are doing, but I wanted to be involved. Where I'm also like coaching and you know, giving out. Uh, you know, you should do this move or tagging, you know, just kind of that stuff. But, like, show that excitement when they would do something and shirt around like I did it, even though I'm, like, the, you know, quote-unquote pussy manager. Just get people really riled up, you know. It's not it's not going out there and just doing cheap beat stuff, like, just, you know, saying something to a fan to get someone riled up. It's it's all how you act your attitude and how you present yourself. And, you know, that's what get people really under your skin. And so I really try to focus on that. And so I learned that from Cornette's. And Bobby Heenan and J.J. Dillon, Mark, you know, Sherry Martell, you know, those are the probably the main four I really watched. But I, I watched everyone. Do you ever see yourself getting back into that, or do you think you'll just stay in the podcast world from that? Uh, managing, no, because, you know, I have a really bad neck. I have spinal stenosis. You know, I got hurt in 2008, so no, I don't want to do any kind of bumping <laughs> anymore. Um, Booking-wise, I'm definitely open to booking again. Um, or doing something creative at the you know right opportunities there so but um we'll see if anything kind of opens up when the pandemic you know opens things up hopefully who knows what the future holds but in terms of you getting into wrestling what is your the question the first question i ask everyone is what is your Mm -hmm. earliest memory of wrestling so what would that be um it was um i probably channel two here in san jose california ktvu and it was WWF. It was probably a Superstars episode. And I remember seeing the Killer Bees, because I remember the Bee Tights. <laughs> and they were probably working with some two job guys. And there was that inset promo. And, it was the, and I remember it was the Heart Foundation because they wore pink. And I remember being like super, like, whoa, these guys are fighting, right? And, you know, I, I seen boxing, but I never seen wrestling. And I told my dad i'm like dad come here come here come here hurry hurry hurry! look these guys are fighting in this ring and he's like oh that's pro wrestling it's fake <laughs> and, <laughs> and i was like oh and i and i kind of like blew it off because you know at the time i was my dreams were become a second baseman for the san francisco <laughs> the san francisco giants so i was like okay but then soon after uh my my buddy chatting um what i talked about in the fight game podcast before he's the one that kind of like he was watching it and like wrestling and i was like man but isn't it fake and he's like yeah okay yeah i don't care it's fun i'm like okay you know your best friend you want to like you know hang out and watch what he's watching and you know have interest what he has an interest in and i you know i just got i got the bug within like six months or or, or less he was out of watching wrestling and i and of course here i am talking about wrestling in 2020 so i mean it's just it's crazy who are some of the guys that 
captures your attention as a kid? Uh, well, first, I first saw WBF, so it was Hulk Hogan and Macho Man Randy Savage, The Ultimate Warrior. Um, I was, I was like, I liked everyone. Like, I don't care if you're a heel or babyface. Like, I just, I liked everyone because everyone had like a finisher move. I thought that, it, it was just like to me, pro wrestling as a kid was superheroes come to life. Right? right, and it's week. And it's, and I can watch it every week. That's what I was so excited about. And but really, the guy that really captured my attention after that was Lex Luger from uh, when I saw Shy Town Rumble pay per view in '89. Um, my buddy Chad invited me back again. He's like, we watched the Rumble, and I was like, just let me borrow the tape so I can watch it over and over again. So I watched the Rumble all all the time, and then. He's like, well, there's another one next month, but it's a different group. It's called the NWA. And I'm like, oh, what's, what are they about? And he's like, yeah, it's like the WWF, but it's more real. That's what he said. <laughs> and um, I saw Luger, and he won the, uh, yeah, he he won the U.S. title that that night pay review, and he just looked like a, he looked like Superman to me, like with blonde hair. He was just like, you know, chiseled from granite, and you know, he just looked like a superhero. And he pressed slam Barry Windham, and I was like, holy cow, I can't believe that, and. From then on, I was like, that's my guy. He turned heel on Rick Steamboat in 1989, uh, June of 1989, at the Clash. And, you know, I was like, I didn't care. I was with them, you know. I'm, I'm loyal to that that guy. So I've always been like that with just, that's just part, you know, just my personality is just like, you know, like my, my favorite team is the Giants, San Francisco Giants. And, like, a guy goes to a different team, I don't go, oh, he sucks now. I'm like, I support him, you know, like. So I'm always like really loyal to the people I like, and so Lex Luger was like, "Winter heel." I'm like, "Nah, that's okay. I'm with him." And then he went on this great run in '89, and a lot of people gave him flack, and I'm sure he deserves some of it. But you know, he's a very uh, underappreciated worker, in my opinion. What was the the first live event you would have attended? First live event it took me a while to go to my first live event. A couple of years. Uh, it was November eighth, nineteen ninety one. It was WCW in San Jose. I could not believe WCW was coming to San Jose. I had an opportunity to almost go to a WWF show, like a C show. I didn't get a chance to. I should have bought my dad a little more, I guess. But this time, I was like, no way. I'm not going to this. So I bugged my dad. You know, November 8th was just a few weeks, you know, past my birthday of October 29th. And I'm like, this is what I want for my birthday. I want to go to this show. And my dad got, like, second row seats. And um, I and like I was second row. But I was like the last. We were the last first two seats on the second row, so there's actually no people in front of us. So I can easily walk to the guardrail and hope for a high five or a, 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 a nod of recognition from the wrestlers. So it was a blast. I mean, the main event was you know I was excited for it because it was Lex Luger is in it, but he wrestled Bill Kazmaier, so I wasn't the greatest match. But you know, like Sting wrestled Cactus Jack and. Uh, Steve Austin wrestled Dustin Rhodes. Um, Steiner Brothers came back and um, from Scott Steiner's injury, and they wrestled the Enforcers, Arn Anderson, Larry Zabisco. Um, the opening matches tripped me out because it was Brian Pillman and, and Bobby Eaton versus Oz and the Diamond Stud, which would, of course, become Kevin Nash and Scott Hall later. So I just thought that was a fun thing. I remember throwing the four horsemen sign to Arn Anderson. And he gave me the, the throat slash, and Brian Pillman gave me the thumbs up. You know, Sting hip-tops Cactus Jagger right in front of me on the floor. Big splat 
<laughs> yeah, never forget that the sound of that. And I was like, oh my god, how do you say this is fake, Dad? You suck, right? And then um, it was just a blast, dude. I, I, I know that whole show. I just, you know, it's just, you know, ingrained in my brain. And, and it was such a great time. I was, I, I was so excited. It's no wonder that Mick Foldy has trouble moving around these days when you look back at some of the stuff he did. The security guard was sitting down inside the guardrail in that corner where I was at. And I remember Cactus Jack going for the chairs. Like, get up, man! Get up! Get up! Like, I did not want to get up. And Steam came and pounded him. And I, I think then he took that bump. So I wonder if he's like, okay, I'll make it up by taking a crazy bump here. So I don't know. But it was, uh, it was so cool. That time frame for WCW, obviously not not the best because you know Ric Flair had just left, and yeah. uh, I know you and and Garrett have done the Saturday night reviews, which I've I've loved listening to, and and it was kind of sad they ended in a way because that that time frame in WCW is sort of near and dear to my heart because that's when I got yeah. into wrestling. But now you're doing '97, so that's even better. So I'm looking forward to hearing uh, more about that as we go along. But um, was there any point where you lost interest in wrestling and stopped watching? Yeah, um, it was when I got the bug for MMA. Um, it's well, I, I saw UFC when it first started during just the you know the, the whole Barnes days when you have the you know the pit fighter versus the boxer, etc. And you know I had the black box. So I watched all the pay per views for free. But then when it got like knocked off cable, I kind of lost interest. I still read about it and the wrestling observer about pride and all that stuff. But it wasn't like I wasn't like. I gotta go search out this stuff. I just read it and follow it. And then when Brock signed with the UFC in 2000 and uh, was it 2009? I think it was, if I remember correctly, or, or two thousand. I'm trying to remember. Somewhere around, somewhere around then, yeah. Or maybe yeah, maybe a year or two before that. Um, I was such a Brock guy. I love Brock Lesnar. I still love Brock Lesnar. He's, he's fantastic. And like him in the UFC, I was like, I had to see it. And then it kind of just like captured what I love about wrestling, mixed martial arts, like it was, you know, fights that meant something, titles that mean something, main events that felt special. Um, there wasn't many shenanigans. It was just, it was just, just old school wrestling. And I never forget, Jerry Cherry said it best, like the future of wrestling is already happening. It's called MMA. And, or he said USC, but you know, it's mixed martial arts. And, and so, I just, I, mean, I still followed wrestling. I was, I was, you know, I was even booking at the time, and still, and I still, I still enjoyed that. But like, what really captured my fandom was MMA. And so, when I started Premiere, I was still in that mode, and Premiere was more of a sports-based presentation. You know, we did the records, the wins and losses, and you know, it was presented like a MMA show with pro wrestling say I mean eventually I really wanted to go complete shoot style but I didn't have enough guys that understood that style it was going to be you know a time to train the audience and like etc into that you know but um, but yeah that's that was a really heavy influence on Premiere and I mean Premiere was just like Pride that's what you know I always loved how Pride was called Pride and so we were thinking about names to the company and my and my you know my my, my buddy Matt Del Rosa was like I don't want a, the typical alphabet soup he said and I was like yeah me neither and what about Premier I said like Premier athletes Premier talent you know top, you know yeah and so we just went with Premier 
And what are your sort of viewing habits now? Obviously, you watch Dynamite and NXT because you mm-hmm. review those shows with, with Garrett every week. But what are the other shows? Any other shows you watch? Do you watch any other WWE? Do you watch Raw Smackdown at all? Very rare now when it comes to WWE uh, for the main roster stuff. Um, though I did watch SmackDown recently, for like the Kevin Owens and um, Roman Reigns cage match, the Big E and Sami Zayn title switch uh, for the Intercontinental title because Garrett really wanted to review those and talk about it. And I was like, you know, this show's not bad. You know, SmackDown. So, Smackdown's I mean, great, yeah. Yeah, so I, I mean, I really actually, I need to find more time. It's hard with three kids now and but I still watch a lot of wrestling. Don't get me wrong. I, you know, I still watch a lot of stuff on YouTube. Of course, have you seen? I, you know, I love to post matches I like that I discover on YouTube and post to the group, and hopefully people will check this out. Um, I watch NXT UK on a regular basis. I do. I really like that show, and uh, I, you know, I enjoy their roster. They have a great roster, great talent, and you know, Walter is just you know. I think the best world champion right now, I think, like just presentation. Like, you know, he feels like a world champion to me. Um, and I like his work, too. And him and Elia Dragunov had a, one hell of a match this year, which on, on my birthday, October 29th. So if anyone listening out there has a WWE Network and hasn't really watched NXT UK, I would definitely, at the least, check that match out. And I think they would become a fan of the product. Yeah, I think that was match of the year. It was, yeah, well, cer- certainly one of them anyway but there's there was a lot of great matches in in 2020 <laughs> i mean do you follow any new japan did you see any of wrestle kingdom or any of the g1 that was on yeah um i've watched some of the g1 it's not like years before when like my my buddy uh, uh dave rubio the heartbreak kid and uh garrett and i would like watch every show and every match and kind of like talk about it and start with our own personal group um but uh so i did like a little bit here i made sure i watched all jeff Cobb's matches and i did watch wrestle kingdom this year i watched i i watched um night one and i'm up to the main event right now night two so i'll probably kick that out tonight sometime or before that how do you think the osprey okada match compared to their other matches they've had because you know slightly different dynamic with osprey playing the hill there do you mm. how, how do you feel about that match do you because some people say maybe it was the best one they've had um I, you know I, I don't know if i've seen all their matches together but um i thought the match was really good some stuff i wasn't a fan of i'm not a fan of uh i wasn't impressed with osprey's heel work uh to me i just felt like he was just Osprey, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> th- now he's a heel, but he's still doing what you know he normally can do. I would like to see him heal a little bit more, um, do some shortcuts and use uh, B Priestley. At, you know, he has her there. Like, really, he should really focus on watching Macho Man from uh, 1989 when he had Sherry Martell in his corner, and, al- and also he should watch Million Man when he had when he had Sherry Martell in his corner, kind of incorporate that kind of stuff. Um, uh, there's one point in the match where the, at the table spot with the, uh, the suplex to the table on the outside, you know, I didn't like that, you know, Red Shoes is in the ring while they're just out there forever to set this move up and there's, like, no count going on. Like, I'm I just not a big fan of bending the rules to just so just you can get the spot. Man. Yeah, so, I mean, I like the match. Um, I, I prefer the main event more than that one, but... Um, I can see why people are, are all over me. And, you know, Kata's greatest timing is just unbelievable. And, 
And, you know, Osprey's sensation. I mean, I like to when he flies around. I mean, God, he's so impressive. He's just, a, you know, he does it so effortlessly. You know, effortlessly. So, I don't know. He's, he's a talent. It's just, when, if you're going to be a heel, I want to see some healing, you know. But that's just maybe the United States and me, you know. The, the old Southern wrestling kind of shit. But, like, I think it was just that. Like, it changed up. Like, you need to be different if you're going to be doing this new character somehow, some way. No, I agree with that completely. Um, we come on now to the, the rapid fire. I don't know why I called it rapid fire questionnaire. Mm-hmm. It really isn't rapid fire at all. But the, the... Yeah, I'll probably get long-winded answers. So <laughs> Everyone does. So I don't know why I called it that. But uh, favorite wrestler of all time. So who would you say is your favorite wrestler of all time? Uh, probably Ric Flair would, would be my favorite. I mean, over, over, I mean Lex Luger is the one that captured my attention. And Lex Luger, I really wanted to beat Ric Flair. But just, you know, just night in, night out. Ric Flair was the man, and he always entertained the hell out of me. And yeah, I'm never really bored of a Ric Flair match. Um, so I mean, I watch even even like I'll, I'll if I see something I haven't seen before him in it, I'll watch it. Like uh, stop everything and watch it. Okay, let let me make this a two part question because the ne- next question is favorite match of all time. So if, if it's not going to be a Ric Flair match, I'm also going to ask you for a favorite Ric Flair match as well. Then, so the, the first question, favorite match of all time. <laughs> well, it is a Ric Flair match. It's the uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's the uh, Ric Flair Terry Funk I Quit match from Class Champion. Ah, time. great choice. Yeah, it's just I mean, I they I thought they wanted to kill each other. You know, I thought they hated each other. Yeah, you know, I didn't know. I, 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 my dad told me wrestling's fake, but he couldn't, he can't tell me that was fake. You know, like they're just, they're just scratching and clawing and trying to get each other. And uh, to this day, it still holds up. Like it's, it's so intense. And I just wish we could bottle up a quarter of that intensity and give it to like all the wrestlers, most of the wrestlers today. Because you know, like, like for example, I'm watching this match today. I was watching Wrestle Kingdom Night Two, and I watched Sonata versus Evil, two partners that. Are on the opposite sides of the, you know, the ring now. They used to be partners. Now they now they hate each other, and they wrestled a regular match. Like there's no intensity there. It's almost like the best. They just did the best hits, right? They weren't like there's no intensity. I was just driving me insane. Like what is this, you know? And of course you got the shenanigans with the manager Dick Togo and all that kind of stuff. But it's like you see what I mean? Like like Funk and Flair knew. Okay. This is it. We're gonna go at it. We're gonna battle, and like these guys are just having a match instead of like, man, get over that. You guys actually hate each other. You're pissed that this guy went to this bull club group, and now you're not partners anymore. You guys are at a road together, tag titles together, etc. Like, convince me you guys hate each other now, and they did it. And but you know what, Ric Flair and Terry Funk, shoot, they st- I can turn that on now, and I can think they hate each other. That's a similar kind of thing to what. Uh, Tim Page said about his favorite match, which one of his favorite matches was um, Ric Flair and Randy Savage from WrestleMania 8, which is a match oh, that yeah. not a lot of people talk about. And that WrestleMania gets a little bit overlooked at times. But he mentioned how obviously there was the backstory with um, Rick saying that he had Elizabeth first and, and Randy kind of took her away sort of thing. And, and Randy wanted to kill Ric Flair. I mean, he, he basically sort of, as Rick was making his entrance, he ran up the rampway to attack him rather than sort yeah. of standing there waiting for all the entrance to be done. And, you know, the ring announcer to say, uh, to make all the introductions, they just started fighting. And, and we don't see that very often. And, and I, I kind of miss that a little bit. You, you just want to see a bit of realism every now and again. We all know it's fake, but, you know, a bit of realism goes a long way in wrestling. 
I mean, people knew it was fake in the 30s, but they wanted us to send disbelief. You know, they wanted to be, that's what they were working towards, you know, to make people believe just for that night. Like, 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 who's it? Johnny Valentine? I forget who said it. But it was like, you know, they might not believe wrestling's real, but they believe I'm real, right? And yeah. that's what I want to... And that's what I want to see more mentality from guys now. I guess I saw your questions earlier. I guess that's what I want. To, that's probably what I would change. I want guys that have the more mentality of bringing some realism back. You know, instead of like doing a move for a, an instant gratification reaction and look to the crowd, like like if you're gonna fly, fly to attack, not fly to get like a little cheer. Like don't look to the crowd for a cheer. Like when you ever see Ric Flair look to the crowd for a, a cheer, like. When you ever see the, the top stars, you know, they make, they would fire up for a comeback and give that eye contact to the fans. Like, yeah, let's go kick this guy's ass. I need all you guys with me to do it. But they didn't go like, you know, like Osprey. He, you know, he's wrestling Okada on uh, night one of Wrestle Kingdom. And he's, as a heel, he's doing the move. And he's like, pumps his fist with the crowd. Like, yay, look what I just did. Like, no, dude, you're a heel. Why would you do that? You know, it's just, you know, it's a different time. It's. It's just, it's frustrating for me, but um, that's why I critique this stuff, I guess, I don't know, just, that's why Garrett and I have a good, a good chemistry, I think. What's the best show that you ever attended live? Oh man, I know, I saw this, this question was tough, because there's been a few that I really, can I have to look at a couple, is that okay? I mean, I yeah, sure. pick one, of them. obviously the first one I've ever seen live, just because it's the first, and you know the excitement. Um, you know, I I've never I for the longest time I've never been to a WrestleMania, but WrestleMania came to our backyard, Santa Clara, California, on um, WrestleMania 31, and that was a hell of a show. That was so much fun. You had the Sting Triple H deal. You had um, Seth Rollins and Orton had a really good match. Um, There's a good ladder match. I think Daniel Bryan won that one. Um, uh, Reigns, Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar was really good. Um, you had Seth Rollins cashing in. That was a shocker. Uh, Ronda, you know, popping in, getting involved. Um, so it was like a really well done special event. So I'll never forget that. And I usually don't, don't really care to go to WrestleMania, but after that one, I was like, you know what? Man, I should go to more of these, you know, when, when they're closer. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to fly all across the world every time. But, um, but I also liked, uh, the New Japan, um, MSG show. I thought that was really damn good. I mean, if you take out the ROH section of it, like the if you just focus on the New Japan stuff, like it was a really good show. The ROH stuff kind of like, didn't really connect with me. It kind of missed the mark personally, but but like the New Japan stuff, man, it was just like unreal. Yeah, Jeff Cobb and Osprey, you know, tearing it up. Um, you know, uh, Tanahashi and Zack Saber had a really good match. Uh, Ibushi and Naito had one of their great matches, and then I thought the main event was like really damn good. It was uh, Okada and Jay White, and Okada won the championship, um, and it was just like an old school throwback classic world title match. Um, it was a beautiful match, and I that was probably one of the best matches I've ever seen in my life. It's funny you mention WrestleMania 31 because I literally just did a podcast the other day with Parker Klein uh, who yeah. writes for the Fight Game website also writes for F4W as well and he was talking about that Wrestlemania because he was there for that one as well uh, oh nice yeah I'll go look back and listen to that one yeah that's what he's a hell of a show and of course um, the late Brody Lee uh, was involved in that ladder match wasn't he yeah that's right that's right that's, I remember when he passed away I was thinking like I know I've seen him live a few times and yeah I remember yeah I saw him at a 
on Random No Mercy pay-per-view, I think it was, it was like, like a Sacramento, Sacramento, and I remember seeing him at that uh, letter match. Yeah, you're right. And Cody Rhodes was uh, Stardust in that match. And I think Mike Gilbert also mentioned WrestleMania 31. So that's one that uh, has been mentioned a few times on this uh, on this podcast. But uh, it was a really good WrestleMania. And I remember my buddy Dave Dutra. Um, he's gone to so many WrestleMania. He's flown all over Chicago, Arizona, Florida, um, and so he's like, "Man, you actually saw like one of the better WrestleManias ever done. Like for your first one." And I'm like, "Yeah." It's- you know, I'm glad they, you know, glad we represented and had a good one here in in uh, Northern California. So uh, yeah, it was a, it was a really good time. They they really put on a great show. The only one thing I, I guess that was lacking was obviously the streak had just ended. How much of, of a blow was that when that when the streak ended at WrestleMania 30? Do you um, think? were you not really a fan of the streak? Um, the Undertaker streak. Yeah, yeah the under, the Undertaker streak. On, uh, no, I would never have ended it personally. Um, I would love that. I always wanted Undertaker to ride off in the sunset with a streak. And I always wanted him to, even on his last, very last match, go for the championship and win it and, and retire in, as a champion. And I wanted them to do like, some big tournament to crown a new champion. I just wanted, I think Undertaker should have had like, this really great moment. I know he, this year, the way the pandemic was, I, just, I wish they could have waited until hopefully, you just never know what's going to happen in the future, but yeah, some moment for him in front of the audience. I think they will do that, though. I think so. They're gonna do something once fans, you know, one day return to the to the live events. But um, I, 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 the streak kind of just happened. It wasn't like something that they focused on to like what halfway through. I think. What? Yeah, I think once he got to ten. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They started like talking. about Oh yeah, that's you. And then it became it became a, a championship in itself, right? And so it was really good booking. I just, I understand what Vince was trying to do, but damn, man, I wouldn't have done it. <laughs> I would have kept it on, I would have kept it going to, you know, he couldn't do it anymore. And just, I, I, I like that. I like, I know records are always meant to be broken, etc. but I just like, there's just some people that have like, like Joe DiMaggio's, uh, you know, hitting streak. Like, no one's ever going to break that, and they shouldn't, and I hope no one does, but, um, you know, stuff like that, just iconic just, I can't streaks. I just yeah. Well, no one's going to get to what was it twenty? Was it twenty one and yeah twenty one? He got to wasn't it? And I think yeah, and yeah, Brock made yeah. it twenty one and one. Um, yeah. But I, I think he, of course, he had the match with Bray Wyatt that year at that WrestleMania, didn't he? Uh, yes, and it was an okay match. It was a little bit of a a disappointment in ring, I think. Um, the entrances are great. I never seen that on the network. I've only I've only watched it live. Like I don't, that's the only memory I have of it. I don't. I, I kind of don't want to ruin that um, memory of seeing it live. So I haven't gone back and watched that show. I want to say Bray. I want to say Bray got injured as well during it. I think didn't he mm. like hurt his foot or something or broke his foot and had to wrestle the match with I don't the, know. I, I, yeah, I'm trying I, to remember. I'm trying yeah. to remember. It was something like that. But anyway, the, the last. Sorry, well, Cena and Cena Russo have had a great match and a great presentation. Oh yeah, the famous uh, entrance of the tank. tank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the last question I ask everyone, and you you kind of touched on it a bit earlier on, is um, if you could change one thing about the business, what would it be? Um, like I said earlier about the working of the working of the matches, I want guys to focus on. Um, you know, bring us some realism, you know, just tr- try to make me, make me believe like that this is, 
maybe you forget that this is just a show and you're actually competing for something important. Um, I think that's quickly being lost um, faster at a really fast rate. You know, a lot of young guys coming up now, they look at the Young Bucks and King Omega, a guy like that who... It's not about that. It's just about the performance and everything. And um, I just I just missed the guys that made me believe, you know. Like, you you believe Macho Man was kind of crazy, but, you know, was intense. Like, you believe that about him, you know. You believe Jake Snake was cunning. You, you know, you believe that. Like, it wasn't, you know, like, even you believe things about people back then and now you're kind of like, well, I know he's just performing. I know he's, and I, I know I'm, you know, obviously know a little bit more than, but even as I think casual audience fans, they kind of just, all right, I'm cool. You know, we're cool. It's, it's just wrestling. It's just, it's, you know, no one's really capturing imaginations anymore in my opinion. That's why the business is the way it is now. But every now and again, you get a feud like John Moxie and Eddie Kingston. That really yeah. hooked me in this year. And it wasn't even meant to be a long-term feud, I don't think. It was yeah. just kind of something yeah. that was done organically. You know, obviously, they had the uh, the match um, scheduled. I think it was the six-man tag that Lance Archer was meant to be in. And I think I don't think he got COVID, but he came into contact with someone that had it. Mm-hmm. And they, they scrapped the match. And um, John Moxley had the match of Eddie Kingston instead. And they were off to the races. You know, They had such a great feud. And Eddie Kingston has just really been, he's really hit home run this year, you know, from coming in and having the Cody match. I mean, he could have just been another guy they brought in to have a match for the TNT title with Cody. But instead, you know, he did so well. They signed him and he's just been absolutely fantastic for AEW. Yeah, yes, he's been doing great and they book him smartly, I think. They, you know, I think less is more with him when it comes to in-ring. But, you know, Talking's his strong suit, and you just have, you know have. I like how he he does a lot of the talking, and he he's gonna wrestle here and there. So I think it's a smart move with him. Uh, but there's still guys that still like. I just watched that Roman Reigns and Kevin Owens cage match, you know, the other but two weeks ago now, and they really had an intense match, and and I felt like that you know they're making me believe that they they hate each other. So I mean, they're still it's still out there, but I want to see more. Just like I just see so much. That, that ironic wrestling, I guess I want to call it. I don't know, you know, like, they just look for laughs instead of, like, looking to make you believe, and, I don't know, that just, just kind of drives me nuts. Yeah, the presentation of Roman Reigns since he came back has been fantastic. I don't watch um, SmackDown every week. I only tend to watch the pay-per-views, but mm-hmm. the few with Jey Uso, I mean, here's, here's a guy that was just a tag guy, and you're, you're thinking, why on earth are they making Jey Uso a challenger for the title? Because... You know, it came out of nowhere, but they made it work so well. And that that Hell in a Cell match they had, if you had a chance to check that one out, but that was such a great... It wasn't a great wrestling match, but it was just the story they were telling. It just just hooked you in. There was no point. I think it was like a... Maybe like a 40-minute match. It seemed to go on forever, but at no point was I bored or had had they lost me at any point. I was hooked right from the bell you know and they do such a fantastic job and roman reigns has been a little bit underappreciated because of how he's been booked he's been shoved on everyone's throats for so many years and you've sort of been made to try and accept him as the guy when they really didn't want him as the guy um, i don't think people really appreciate how good he is and I'm, I'm really glad he's getting a chance now to show that well he's a tremendous worker he's really good in the ring he's 
He's always been really good, but he's really connecting with this character. Uh, he's dialed in. It's really good. I think it's probably their best storyline this year. People oh. probably say, you can probably say maybe Bailey Sasha storyline, but I, I think WWE. I think Roman Reigns coming back as a heel, the head of the table gimmick is really, really well done. Um, I think at one point Reigns was going to be the guy, but for some reason they decided fans decided to get upset because of the they wanted Daniel Bryan in that Rumble that year. You know, then I was. It's just like I think he was the fallout fall guy for it, and it's like. But he's like everything you guys would want. Like, he's good in the ring. He gives 100% effort. Like, if he was a, you know, if he was like a slow slug out there and just a big jacked up guy that did, it just, you know, couldn't do much. But no, he has charisma. He can work with anyone, have a good match with anyone. It's not like he's being carried. I mean, he's holding his own with the other guy. Um, I mean, I just felt so bad for that guy. He'd get so much flack for, for nothing at all. Like, he's, he's, He's a tremendous talent. It's unfortunate people had a, you know, a small but loud vocal group had to turn their backs on him and, and make him a villain when, you know, he's just doing his job. <laughs> yeah, because one of my favourite feuds that WWE have done in the last few years was the feud he had with Braun Strowman. You know, Braun Strowman yeah. was just a guy that just a big guy that was part of the Wyatt family he wasn't great in the ring at, at, at first when he first started but he got pretty damn good and him and Roman had a great feud in like 2017 mm-hmm. it really made Braun and I think they made a mistake in a way by not having Braun beat Brock for the belt you know and, and yeah, but I think yeah. when they finally did put the title on him everyone just kind of went well they're only doing that because Roman's not there you know, Roman, yeah. it would have been Roman that beat Goldberg and, and Braun is just the guy they're going with now. Whereas I think if they'd gone with him in like 2018, he would have been great as champion. I know it's hard to tell with no fans there, but I kind of felt his run as champion was a little bit underwhelming. But they didn't no, you're have, right. But they didn't no, have any great... Right. Uh, sorry, sorry, go on. No, no, it's okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, um, they, they, they went... Vince went with Brock too long, right? He just kept extending and extending it and... I know you wanted to get heat on Brock, but, like, you know, you kind of make some new guys, and Strowman was hot at that time, and, you know, he would have put over Brock's not hurt Brock. Brock's not going to get hurt. You know, Brock, Brock could take a loss and be fine as a drawing power. But, gosh, he could have made Braun Strowman there, and, you know, yeah, he's not he's not Roman Reigns in the ring or, you know, or even Kurt Angle or anything like that, but, like, but he could be, you never know, he could have been a Hogan-esque kind of guy. He could have been a guy that people just want to see kick ass. And they don't, they don't, they're not, they're not, we're not here to see 25-minute matches from Braun Strowman. We want to see the, the old 8-minute, 10-minute, you know, Hulk Hogan from 1980s kind of style matches. And we want to see him win. He could have been that that, that, that strong babyface champ that people just love to see smash, you know? There's so many guys, though, that you sort of wonder what if. I mean, if, they, if they really got behind Rusev or really got behind Wade Barrett or or Cesaro, there's there's a number of guys. But we could talk about this all day. But obviously, yeah. um, I don't want to keep you uh, too much longer. But it's been a real pleasure to, to speak to you and have you on the show because um, I love being a part of the obviously part of the facebook group and and now being a, a patreon as well which was a, was a no-brainer for me because I, I love all the shows that you and garrett do and you know justin nipper and jd oliver and all the other guys do such great work for fight games so uh thank you for all the all the work you do and the shows you, you keep putting out yeah man i appreciate appreciate your support I mean, it means a lot to us and you're always out there you know putting it on social media and, and getting the word out so we greatly appreciate it so 
when this, uh, I'm, you know, like I said, I don't see every post on our group, and when I saw your post about the Ethereum, I'm like, hey, I want to do one, you know? Yeah, because I had, I had JD on the, the very first show, because JD yeah. came on with Joey Garcia on the first show, and then I had Justin on, and you were like, well, when's it my turn? When am I going to get a chance <laughs> to come on? And I'm like, well, you can come on any time you like, John. So, well, yeah. you support us, so I want to support you and do a show with you, and then uh, this is a lot of fun, man. I had a great time. I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I I will obviously do more podcasts in the future. I'd love to have you back on at some point to talk about well anything really, because I'm sure we could just sit here and um, talk about anything under the sun. Because um, yeah, we're, 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 at the end of the day, we're all just big fans of wrestling, mm-hmm. and, and we love oh, yeah. talk, we love talking about it. And what I love about the the Facebook group is, and I've said this many times on this show already, but everyone just gets on so well. You may get a, a disagreement every now and again, but everyone respects other people's opinions and nobody yeah. is gonna you know go off in a huff and, and leave the group because uh so and so didn't like you know my opinion on whatever you know we, we're, we're all adults and uh, we all get on for the most part and everyone is respectful of each other and, and you don't find that in many groups on uh, on facebook or, no. or, or on the internet or full stop so it, it's a great place to be and and uh yeah long may it continue yeah definitely and it's a great community so um, hope if you're listening and don't know, you know, go to our Fight Game Media Twitter um, account and pin on the tweet is our Facebook uh, um, group that can just request to join and uh, we, you know, we pretty much you know let anyone join in, but you know, be respectful and all that stuff. And I, I think people are looking for a place that we can openly talk about wrestling without getting their head chewed off by someone for just having a, you know, just because they don't read their opinion. You know, everyone listens to everyone's opinion and and respects it. So yeah, definitely um, join our group. We'd love to have you. Any any quick plugs before we go? Obviously, you're, you're doing um, the Monday night reviews of uh, mm-hmm. Rules from '97 right now on, on on the Patreon for five dollars a month. You can get that, and uh, you also pop up on uh, High Tension with uh, JD and um, uh, Justin as well. Don't yeah. You? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. People can follow me on Twitter at LaRockaJL. And um, yeah, we uh, uh, on the fight game, we have on our free feed, on the Blue Wire feed, um, Chops every Friday morning, we do the reviews of NXT and um, Dynamite and kind of give our likes and dislikes. And Gary and I like to argue about it sometimes and makes it a really entertaining <laughs> show. Uh, but we love each other. And, uh, and then we do uh, on our Patreon, as you said, we do. Right now we're doing a Monday Night Raw 1997 review, which is a lot of fun because I don't remember a lot too much about that, but things are kind of coming back to me. So it's gonna be fun to kind of re re watch some of these these matches and angles and storylines and the build to uh, 97, how that was done. And yeah, and I'm also on our Japanese wrestling podcast with Justin Nipper, the host, and JD Oliva, and then myself. Um, uh, we just we were quickly going to talk about Wrestle King Night 1. We ended up talking a long time about it. <laughs> and uh, it was really fun. And we also did a um, nice uh, um, uh, look back at the career of Shinya Hashimoto. And I was able to get some quotes from uh, Steve Carino and uh, Old School Robert John about Shinya Hashimoto because they worked with him and stuff. So we dive deep. And, um, you know, I, I, I think that's what people kind of appreciate our podcast for. We really do dive deep and research. And um, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. So yeah, check it out. 
Yeah, when, when you're doing the uh, the '97 podcast with Garrett, I don't know if you saw on the on the Facebook group. I, I had a lot of comments as I, as I was listening to it. I kind of make comments as as, as we go along, and I know Garrett did say that if if uh, we can get the schedules uh, right, because obviously there's a huge time difference because I'm here in the UK and I'm like eight hours ahead of you guys. Uh, but hopefully, at some point during '97, I can jump on and, and review one of those shows with you guys. I'd love to do that at some point. Yeah, yeah, I love that, I love that as well. I got pl- definitely got planned out, as you can tell from my. Also on the uh, in the click podcast of Baby Huey, so like I have, a, I'm doing a lot of shows lately. My wife likes that I do these shows, but not, but it's for like every night I'm doing these now. <laughs> <laughs> so scheduling would be uh, the best for, it. but I'd love to do it, and I think it'd be awesome. Yeah, if us three were on there talking about some '97 Raw for sure, because that's such a great. Yeah, I'm, I'm so looking forward to certain episodes of Raw I can remember so vividly like the one where the Hart Foundation uh, were really formed where mm-hmm. Owen Owen was pretending to cry in the ring and him and Brett and Davey did the big hug which uh, is one of my favourite moments of Raw history I just love that and and obviously the uh, build up to the Canadian Stampede pay-per-view which yeah. is one, one of the best pay-per-views they ever did I think and Definitely. It's, it's funny to say because obviously the year ended so badly for Brett, but '97 was one of the best years I think he ever had. Maybe, maybe uh, the best. Yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, other than the end, yes, it was really good. And I remember that the formation as well. I, can't, I remember seeing it, and I remember even when Pillman turned too, and Pillman showed up and cracked someone with a chair. I think it was, and they're united. I was like, holy cow, this is unbelievable. <laughs> and then they, they're off and running. And yeah, that Canadian Stampede thing was an amazing pay per view. Yeah, I'm looking forward to all of that. But I won't keep you any longer, John. Uh, thank you very much for coming on. And uh, like I say, hopefully talk to you again in the future. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Thanks again. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Okay, cheers, John. Cheers.